Hey, 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 man, I hope everybody's doing great today. Man, I just want to put this out there. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to start off with this. Man, I am married to the finest woman on the planet. Man, I have the best wife in the world. Man, she's the greatest mother to our children. And in five days, Shannon and I will be celebrating our 10th anniversary. Man, I cannot believe it. Oh, man. Has it been that long? See, like, she's thinking, oh, yes, it's been that long, 10 years with you. It's a lifetime. And, and I don't know how this popped up on Facebook, you know, but I saw this meme, and it said like this. It was the husband speaking to the wife, and it said, boo, life with you hasn't seemed like 10 years, but instead it seemed more like 10 minutes, dot, dot, dot. And then it said underwater, and I don't know what that means. Like, I have no idea. I was like, I'm scared to swim. Maybe they snorkel. I, I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but here's the thing, man. Uh, those of y'all that know us, man, it's been more than 10 years. It's actually like 17 years of togetherness. You know what I'm saying? And, and so like seven years of dating, man, it took me a long time to practice and get up enough courage to ask this girl to marry me, all right? Man, it was hard enough to ask her out, right? Lee, remember we were over at your house. We were shooting fireworks. I didn't even have a car at the time. And so I left my best friend's house. Another best friend is driving me home and driving Shannon home at the same time. And I had got a little win that, man, if I didn't hurry up and ask this girl out, he might ask her out. And so, like, it's, it's kind of a scrub way to do this, but I was in the back seat of his car, and he was driving. Shannon was up in the front, and I said, girl, you want to go out? I don't know. I don't know what we said, but <laughs> But, man, I'm so glad that she said yes. And, man, ever since then, man, I've just been saying the Lord is good. Genesis 2.18 is true, and I do believe in miracles. Man, that is, that is the truth, all right? And so here's the thing. With our anniversary right around the corner, man, it, it, it had me thinking of, like, ways that we celebrated our anniversary in the past. You know, like, when you first get married, sometimes you're broke. Sometimes when you first get married, you don't have any kids and you don't have real bills. So sometimes you're the most wealthiest you've ever been at that time, you know. And so then as, uh, you know, years progress, I'm sure, like, in five days, like, we'd probably be hitting up the dollar menu all together at, at McDonald's. In, Am I setting the bar too low? I, I, I don't know. All right. Man, I started thinking about one year, we decided that we were going to do it real big. And we couldn't do it real big. We couldn't celebrate real big in Greenville. So I went and I booked this hotel in Dallas, all right? And so, man, I got us reservations made to this place called Hotel Zaza. Y'all say that. Just say, just say Zaza. Zaza. Woo, man. Sounds exotic, doesn't it? I found out it's French for, like, way too expensive, all right? That's what I found out that it means, all right? And so, man, we booked this hotel, the Hotel Zaza. We booked this room, and we get up there. And I knew something was up when it said valet parking only. And I was like, man, we got to give them our car to stay here. All right. And so I get out and we're the only ones driving like a Mazda Tribute. You know what I'm saying? There's like Hummers. There's like Bentleys. There's like BMWs. And quick, we're like getting out as quick as we can. And then we're following these other people. We're like, man, who brought the Mazda Tribute to Hotel Zaza? You know, man, the nerve of those people. Right. And so we go up there. We check out the room. 
fancy, all right? Man, we went down the hallway, and at every floor where you got on the elevator, you remember this thing? They had this little, like, chef, like, five-star chef had made these little dessert candies. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I don't know if you're supposed to. I don't know if that's only, like, for your floor. But when I found out that they were on every floor, man, I just took the long way down. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, why are you pushing all the buttons? And I was like, because as soon as that door goes open, I'm going to get over there and get that little sweet, right? And, uh, and so I did did that and, and so like we, we were having fun and we said you know what man they say they got a five-star restaurant I don't know what that is you know what I'm saying we might go try that out but I heard that they have a pool that is unbelievable all right remember this saying right and so we we're like man we hadn't even unpacked and we we're like let's just go check out the pool so glad we were just checking it out all right and not fully committing you know what I'm saying like we didn't like put on the flippers and the and, and the inner tube and put like the white nose and you know what I'm saying we hadn't done that yet and I'm so glad because, man, when we started making our way to the pool, we were just kind of following the directions and looking at the signs, and we heard this music just bumping. And I was like, man, they're getting busy in that restaurant. You know, like, this is crazy. And then, oh, we passed by the restaurant, and the music's getting louder. And I found out that, man, they was just really getting busy at the pool, you know? And so, like, we went over there, and, like, we got to the pool, and, like, man, you couldn't really see the pool when you first walked in, so you had to, like, go around. It's, like, very exotic and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, when we turned around and we found ourselves at the pool, I looked around, Shannon looked around, and then we looked at each other and we were like, we got to go. Literally, we came around the corner and it was nothing but like swimsuit models and bodybuilders all around and nobody's in the pool. And I just didn't think it was the right time to say, hey, Beefcake, on a, on a scale of one to 10, rate my splash. Here I go, cannonball. Like, we felt paranoid because we were not in the right spot. Like, we were in the right spot. That was the pool. But it was not the right scene for us. Like, I thought you swam in the pool, but not at Hotel Zaza. You know what I'm saying? It was like the club atmosphere. And we looked around, and we were like, oh, man, let, let, like, we can't do this. Like, we, did, we just don't fit in, you know. And like, man, we do not belong right here. And so I got to ask you this, man. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you just didn't belong? Like, have you ever found yourself somewhere where, like, you felt like you were an outsider and, like, you couldn't fit in no matter how hard you tried? I puffed up the chest, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, no, we still got to get out of here, all right? We did not fit in. You, you do, Shannon, but I don't. All right, and so, like, we got to get out of here, all right? And, and so here's the thing. Man, I think that the earliest Christians knew how that felt. Man, they knew how it felt to be outsiders. And, and they weren't just being paranoid, but every new day brought some type of like punishment towards their way, some type of hostility for those who were following Jesus. Man, they suffered every way possible. Man, they were publicly scorned. They were beaten down. They were thrown in prison. They were even killed. Man, all for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so here's the thing. Man, when we read in 1 Peter, it's great because Peter had good news, even for the downtrodden. Man, Peter had great news, even for those Christ followers at that time, and he still has it for us today. Man, he reminded them in the middle of all the fiery trials that they were going to find themselves in that God cared about them. Man, that's what the letter uh, that we're going through in 1 Peter is all about. Man, he wanted them to understand that like out of all this stuff that you're going through, God cares about you. He even went so far to tell them to like 
welcome their hardships. Like he went so far to say like, man, this is going to be a good thing. Like welcome the hardships with open arms because like what doesn't kill you is going to make you stronger. Like before it was a hit song, he was saying this and he was like, man, here's the thing. This is going to make your faith stronger. And when you say that, it's easy to say, but it's hard to live out, right? Anybody remember when your mom made you eat the Brussels sprouts? Anybody remember that? Like some of y'all, y'all like Brussels sprouts, and I'll pray for you later, all right? But like, man, I like them with a whole bunch of cheese on it where all you can taste is the cheese and not the Brussels sprout, maybe, right? And so here's the thing. I remember my mom saying like, it's okay, Justin. You need to eat those things. They're good for you. But now I find myself trying to convince my son, Parker, it's okay. Like those things, they slimy and stuff, but they're good for you. And he's just kind of looking at me like, I don't think so, Dad. All right, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Man, it was more than just that type of statement. Like Paul was saying, open like your arms to this controversy because it'll make your face stronger. But even though nobody actually enjoys like trying to walk through hard times, we get that. But Jesus never promised that when we live for him, this life was going to be easy. Come on now, do y'all believe that? Man, in fact, when we choose sides and we choose Jesus over the world, man, we got to understand that our world becomes our antagonist, all right? And so sometimes this world that we live in, and all the things that comes with it. Think about those things like war, terrorism, you know, rampant poverty, government corruption, all those things. Man, man, when we live in this world, it'll have you wondering if there's any hope for living. Like there's people out there and they're like, man, if this is what the world is, if this is what the world offers, man, is there really any hope in living? And we would say, man, as a Christ follower, we would say yes. Man, in fact, man, not only is there hope, but there's a living hope. And that's what we've been talking about this entire study of 1 Peter. Man, we're talking about a living hope. As Christ followers, we got to understand that we have hope, and our hope has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ, all right? Man, we sang it out just a few minutes ago in that song. Man, we said, your name, your name is victory, All praise will rise to Christ our King. Man, no matter what the circumstances are, we understand that our faith is based in hope, and our hope has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Man, he's the Christ. He's our King. And church family, here's the thing. There's times that you may second-guess your walk with Christ, and you might say, like, man, I need a better testimony, or, man, I need, a, like, a, a, a more dynamic conversion story. Man, no, you don't. Man, if you've given your life to Christ, you have experienced a life change. Man, he's changed your life. Man, that's what you've experienced. Man, you were lost and now you're found. You've moved from darkness to light. Man, if you found Christ, like if you have Christ in your life, man, you've moved from defeat to victory. Man, you've crossed over from shame to grace. Man, you've moved from fear to faith. Man, you move from sorrow to joy. You move from dread to expectation. May you move from bondage to freedom. May you move from mourning to dancing. If you have Christ in your life, man, Scripture says you're a new creation. And this is possible 
because of the finished work in Jesus Christ. He is indeed our living hope. And so this morning, we're going to continue walking through this book called First Peter. Man, go ahead and make your way to chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And so, man, as you turn there, flip there, tap there, or scroll your way over there, man, I want to invite you to consider this thought, all right? Because of this living hope that we talk about, things are different. Man, for the Christ follower, things are different. Man, because of the living hope, things are different. Man, ask your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and say, man, what's he talking about? Man, now turn to your other neighbor and say, man, what is he talking about? Well, I heard you, and I'm glad that you asked, all right? So let's answer that question, all right? This is what I mean by this. Because of a living hope, we have a different calling, all right? Because of a living hope, we as Christ followers, man, we have a different calling. We got to understand that the Christian life begins with the calling. Man, the, the Holy Spirit calls us to repentance, amen? Man, Jesus gives us the invitation to salvation, right? Man, this calling does not end with our conversion. Man, how many people like birthdays? I know when you're young, you love birthdays, and the older you get, maybe you don't like them as much as you once did. But we all like to celebrate, and we all like us, and we all like presents, all right? So we're just going to agree that we all like birthdays, all right? How crazy would it be if you found yourself 16 years old and you only had one birthday party, and like you didn't even know about it, and so you're looking back through some old pictures or what have you not, and you're like, what is this? Like, like, what are we doing right here? Like, there's cake, there's presents, there's balloons. Like, I got a little party hat on. Like, Mom, Dad, what is this? And they're like, oh, it's a birthday party. And you're like, wait, what? Like, like I've only had one of these. Like, and they're like, we thought that's all you needed, right? We thought that's all you needed. Like, you had one party, it was good enough. No. That's not how we do birthdays. Man, why do we do the conversion to Christ like that? Man, we put all this emphasis on the conversion, and we're like, whoo, man, thank you, God. Man, my child handled that. Everything is all good. Let's celebrate. Man, they're a Christ follower now. But here's the thing. To be a Christ follower, you got to follow Christ. And just like a birthday goes around and you celebrate one more year of growth, man, we ought to start celebrating our growth milestones as Christ followers. Man, we ought to celebrate those things just as much as we celebrate the conversion itself. And so here's the thing, man, the Christian life, it begins with that calling, but it's not enough to just trust Jesus as our Savior. Man, everybody wants a Savior. Go look at all the shows that are out there at the theater right now. Man, they all got a savior in them. They probably all got a superhero in them. Man, we all want a savior. But here's the thing. We also got to make him the Lord over our lives. Man, we got to make him the Lord and Savior. And so as we talk about this, Christ followers, man, we got to set the bar high. Man, we got to understand that we are called to follow our Savior. I'm going to say that again. As a Christ follower, we are called to follow our Savior. Man, let's check out the Scripture, all right? Let's look at this first verse, all right? Man, we're looking at verse 1. Man, it says this. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Man, as a Christ follower, we're called to follow the Savior. In fact, Peter says we must arm ourselves with the same way of thinking that Christ had. Man, we're like continually called to focus on him. 
Men, it says, we are going to suffer, therefore Christ suffered, all right? But then it says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Men, our focus needs to continually be on him. That kind of sums up, like when we talk about, man, worship is more than a set of songs that we sing, but worship's a lifestyle because we worship him not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Wednesday night, but man, we worship him as we follow him, and we're called to follow him daily, and as we follow him daily, man, we're called to renew our minds, and man, as we renew our minds, we understand that we're focusing on him daily. Man, we're called to follow him each day of our life. Man, even if that means facing suffering, it's this great calling to understand that the commitment of Jesus, what he had to commit to, is also what we need to commit to ourselves, and we need to have that same commitment to God that we will even endure when times are hard, even through the struggle. The Christian life, man, it's a battle. It's not easy. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a raging storm every single day. And here Peter uses this terminology uh, and references as a battle because he says, arm yourself. Man, before we will reach a place of willingness to suffer for Christ, we must put him in the proper place as our number one priority. Man, once we make him our number one priority, then we can focus on him, and then we'll be willing to walk the tough walk that he's asked us to do. See, there was a time in Peter's life where he professed to Christ, I will follow you. Man, I will do everything for you. Man, I will even die for you. And we understand how that played out. Man, in one night, what happened to our friend Peter? Man, he denied Christ three times, right? And so we understand that Peter failed. Man, but, but here's the thing, that was not the end of Peter's story. Man, Jesus went on to do a great work in the life of Peter, and man, he even suffered greatly, and he was willing to do so. Man, even as he penned these words, man, he knew that there would come a day when he would die for the cause of Christ. And so Jesus told him in John 21, man, that there would be a day that he would be killed for his faith. And knowing that, man, he endured the suffering that, that came his way. And, man, he endured all the way until the end. Man, that's how he faithfully followed the Savior. Man, Peter's call was to be an apostle. And, man, if you and I are saved, then we have the calling to follow Jesus Christ. And our life should not be the same as it once was before Christ. Man, we ought to be making steps in a different direction. Man, our plans ought to change. Our purposes ought to change. Our priorities should change. Man, all those things should be different. Man, are you faithfully following Jesus Christ every day and with every opportunity? And are you willing to follow him even when it's tough? Are we willing to follow him even when we know that that's going to bring pain, and suffering. Man, it goes on like the text right there in that verse. It says the phrase, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Man, that, that sounds confusing, all right? Don't get that twisted. But Grudem explains that whoever has suffered for doing right, man, he is still going on obeying God in spite of suffering that it involved. And because of that, he's made a clear break with sin. Man, even through the pain and struggle, 
that person has continued to suffer for Christ and has continued to follow Christ. I mean, we got to understand that that phrase right there, ceased from sin, is talking about this victorious sufferer, all right? I mean, we're still suffering in our sin. It carries the note of triumph, but it has effectively, like, broken this life that was dominated by sin. But it does not mean that we no longer commit acts of sin. But it means that that old life that was dominated by the power of sin has been terminated. As Christ followers, will we still struggle? Yes. As Christ followers, will we still stumble? Yes. As Christ followers, will we still sin? Yes. But we are not enslaved by that lifestyle of sin. Man, that's our old life. We're no longer dominated by the power of that sin. Man, if we're not physically suffered in following of Christ, we can still connect because in our faith with Jesus, we understand that he has suffered for us in the flesh. Man, some of us, when we read books about the Jesus freaks or we read books about Christian martyrs, man, we read a book, uh, you know, with the staff. And, uh, man, I don't even want to say the guy's name because I'll butcher it, all right? But I'm just going to call him AJ. And, uh, man, in the life of AJ, it made me, uh, as we kept on reading that book, I was like, oh, my goodness. And here I complain because Wi-Fi is slow. Here I complain because fast food is not fast enough. And this guy, man, he's like taking on a ton of stuff, man, a ton of punishment, a ton of pain. Man, he suffered in the flesh, man, and he still stayed the path. As Christ followers, man, we're called to forsake sin. In verse 2 it says, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Peter gives us kind of like two time references right there. And like those two time references that I'm talking about are the phrases to live the rest of our time. I mean, we got to understand that our days are numbered here on earth, and we got to give an account by how we live the rest of our time. But he also says right there, but the flesh no longer meant for our human passions before the will of God. Man, that time phrase right there, no longer, man, he's saying we should no longer live in sin. Man, it should not be what we desire. In fact, man, if you're looking for an answer to give sin when it comes around, say no longer. Man, I no longer want to deal with that. Man, I no longer want to have you in my life. Man, I no longer want that struggle in my life. And, uh, man, as we keep on kind of going through that verse, we got to understand that we've been changed by Jesus Christ, and we've been cleansed by his blood, and we're not to return and continue in the sin that we were delivered from, right? Man, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus is not just our Savior, but he's our Lord. And when Jesus is the Lord of our life, man, we are controlled by his Spirit, and when we're controlled by his spirit, we cannot forsake sin on our own. But it's through that power found in the spirit, you know, through that power of Christ that Paul says in Galatians 2.20, man, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And it says, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Man, thanks to Jesus, man, we have a different life. 
Men, don't waste your time pursuing, pursuing all the lust and, and all the flesh and all the pleasures of this world. Man, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 15, it says, Man, do not love the world or the things of this world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all of that that is in the world, man, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, man, it's not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away, and along with this desires, but whoever desires the will of God abides forever. Man, our life before Christ was empty. Man, it was meaningless. But now that we are saved, now that we have Christ, we have a purpose. And because of that living hope, we have a different calling. Man, the second thing that I want to talk about today is because of a living hope, we have a different character, okay? So not only do we have a different calling, we're not called to follow the world, but instead we're called to follow Christ. Because of this living hope, we possess a different character. Man, let's read verse 3 together. It says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Man, Peter understood that we all spend enough time living like the world. Man, he understood that. And now we're called to live like Christ followers. Man, it's a foolish way to waste our times as Christians to live like the world. Man, as a Christ follower, if we choose to live like the world, what message are we presenting to those who aren't following Christ? And we're just confusing them. Man, we're not showing any type of separation. We're not showing them that we've been set apart. And so, man, we got to understand that we got to stop being double-minded, and we got to start living out what our faith calls us to live out. But sadly, man, many of us in our hearts, man, we think that we have not spent enough time doing the will of the ungodly. Man, I remember having like conversations with friends and we said like, oh man, I understand that this is wrong, but man, people went before us and they did what was wrong and, and they turned out okay. And so we try to justify that. And we think that, man, we haven't spent enough time doing the will of the ungodly and the way that we want to experience more and more of the world before we take a full commitment into following Christ. Man, that's a tragic way to look at, 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 at the race that we have before us. Man, that's a tragic mistake because here Peter's describing that the life before the conversion was filled with these things. Man, if it wasn't, thank God. Man, you don't have to like drink poison to understand that it's poisonous. Man, be thankful that God, you know, maneuvered your life and steered you away from those things. Man, you don't have to partake in that life of sin. Man, those actions were marked by evil and wickedness. And those, man, when you think about that list, the list that we just read, man, the list in that scripture, when it talks about, man, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. Man, you know what I think? You know, as much as things change, they stay the same, right? Those things that they were struggling with like 2,000 years ago, still making the list even today. 
and you saw how little the fallen man has progressed in the last 2,000 years. Man, these problems have not been solved since Peter's lifetime, and there's still issues that plague our uh, world today. But here's the thing. There's victory found in Christ. Man, there's no limit to what Jesus can do in your life. Man, if you find yourself in those things, you're not enslaved to those things. As a Christ follower, man, he saved you, and he will give you this new character that he's talking about. But here's the thing. As you keep on reading this verse, listen to what it says. It talks about things that you may have used to have done in the past, but then, man, as we keep on reading, let's go to verse 4. Look at what verse 4 says. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. Man, let's talk about that. Because of the living hope that we talk about, man, it gives us, you know, like a new direction. Man, it also gives us a new character. But that new hope, that living hope, man, it gives us a new crowd to run with. And we now have a, a different crowd to run with. Man, when we look back at our life, hopefully we can see a difference of maybe there was an old crowd and maybe there was a new crowd. And in the past, maybe we ran with a different crowd of people. And by the world standards, man, they weren't bad people. Man, uh, you know, they weren't just acquaintances. Man, they were more friends. But when we fully surrendered to Christ, maybe things changed. Maybe we stopped doing some of those things. And we would stop doing some of those things. Maybe the phone stopped ringing. I don't know. Uh, and, and so here's the thing. Man, uh, when we talk about the old crowd, there's some confusion in the old crowd. Man, when we talk about the old crowd, in verse 4 it says, With respect to this, they are surprised that you do not want to join in the same flood of debauchery. Man, Peter says, like, they're surprised. Like, or, or some translations say, they think it's strange. The old crowd is not going to understand the chains that Jesus has wrought in your lives. Man, students, man, we talked about at camp, don't let this be an emotional thing, right? Man, you just spent six days, man, so invested to, man, the, the calling of God, to the Word of God. Man, you're waking up in devotional. Man, you're having, like, school time. You're having church time. Man, you're having, like, church group time at the evening. Man, the entire day is immersed in that. Man, for, like, six days straight, and you're seeing the Spirit of God move. Man, guess what? The reality of it is, man, when he moves and he does changes in your life, there's going to be things that you got to let go of. There's going to be things that you can't partake of anymore. And when you come back to reality of the world that you live in, man, some of those people, they're not going to understand that. They're going to think it's strange. Man, they're, they, they're not going to understand that you're not interested in those pleasures. They're, they're, they might even, uh, you know, make fun of you. See, the next thing it says, they malign you. Man, uh, or another phrase like, they might even speak evil of you. And so like, man, not only is the crowd confused, but man, there's contention in that old crowd. Man, when they see stuff happening in your life, man, all of a sudden, man, it starts stirring something in their life. Here's the thing, when we don't participate in the sin that's around us, Man, we end up convicting those who practice in that sin, and they don't like that. They might start speaking evil of you. Man, those people who you thought you were friends, man, they might start to slander you. 
Man, some will mock you. Some will make fun of you. Some will watch you and watch you and wait until you slip up and fail, and then they'll quickly point out all your faults. Man, when you refuse to partake in some of those old things, man, they might, like, make fun of you. They might call you self-righteous. And when you falter, and they might even call you a hypocrite, and those things are going to hurt. And some of those actions, man, they come from close friends. They may even come from family. But here's the thing. Peter, he gives us encouragement. When we keep on reading, man, our pastor will get to it in the future, but all the way down in verse 14, if you skip down to verse 14, we don't have it on the screen, but, but he gives us a little encouragement. Man, he says, if you're insulted, for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. Man, Paul addresses this problem in 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 2.15. He says, kind of explains that, man, when our lives are Christ-like, there's this Christ-like fragrance that comes off of our lives. And this fragrance, man, it's perceived differently by different people. And like people who are being saved, man, they, they see this fragrance and they, they smell the sweet aroma. But those who are perishing, man, it smells dreadful to them. Man, they smell the death. They smell the, the looming doom. And so here's the thing. When we talk about this crowd, man, not only is there confusion, not only is there contention, but, man, there's this certain condition of the old crowd. And so, man, in verse 5, check this out. Verse 5 says, but they will give an account to him who is already the judge of the living and the dead. Will you decide not to continue to go the old path? Will you decide, man, I'm not going to live my old way, but instead I'm going to live this new way in Christ? Man, this crowd might make fun of you. This crowd might bring you down. This crowd might slander your name. But here's what it says in verse 5. It says, man, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Guys, those who are not saved, those who are guilty of walking in the wickedness that, that's described in verse 3, man, one day they have to stand before the great white throne. Man, one day Jesus will preside at the judgment, and one day they'll have to give an account to him. And see, that crowd, they may mock you for your faith. They may, walk you, uh, they may mock you from maybe abstaining from something. Man, they may blaspheme in the name of Jesus. But, man, here's the thing. On that day, man, they're going to bow to him. Man, on that day, they're going to have to worship him. And that should motivate us to live as examples of Christ. See, we shouldn't get this type of arrogance. We shouldn't puff up this, uh, you know, chest and say, oh, yeah, you want to bring me down right now, but don't worry because I know how the story ends. You know, we don't, like, need a break in the chair like, uh, that's all right, that's okay, you're going to be in hell one day. No, like, that's, that's not what we need to do. Man, it ought to change our actions in the sense, like, we literally, man, we ought to fall on our knees for them. Man, we ought to pray for them. Because we understand, like, man, uh, what the outcome is. We got to understand, like, the example that we live out in front of them, it could leave an oppression on them. We should point them towards the light. We should live out that light. Man, we should show them what, what has changed in our life. And so, man, we're talking about these different things, and because of a living hope, we have a different calling. Man, we have a different character. 
Man, we run with a different crowd. And then the last thing is this right here. It will close. But man, because of a living hope, man, we're on a different course. Amen. Man, we're on a different course. In verse 6, it says, For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, man, they might not. It says they might live in the spirit the way that God does. Man, last week, if you were here last week, man, our pastor did a great job breaking down the complexities of this scripture, you know, uh, that was right before it, right at the end of chapter 3. And, man, some scholars believe that Jesus, man, uh, during that time, he also preached a message of salvation uh, to the faithful who were dead, who are referenced as being in Abraham's bosom, like in Luke chapter 16, verse 22. Man, they anticipated the work of of the Messiah, but they had passed away. Man, uh, it's thought that maybe he was preaching to those who are dead, not uh, really offering them a second chance, but offering them the completion of their salvation because they had been faithful to God under the first chance. Man, they had maybe passed away, you know, before Christ had come on the scene or before, you know, Peter had a chance to pen this epistle. And so we got to understand Man, those of us who have heard the preaching of the gospel and we've been born again, we can also live with this same hope that they possessed. Because of a living hope, man, we're on a different course. We're on a different path. Man, we have a different future. We have a different eternal destiny. Man, we possess eternal life through Jesus Christ. Man, I was reading this example of these deacons, and, man, they were loving on this young boy who wanted to, like, he, he just wanted to join the church. Man, and they were asking him about his salvation, and they said, man, how did you get saved? And this little boy, man, he responded to him. He said, well, I done my part, and God had done his part. And so they were trying to figure out, man, okay, well, what does that actually mean? And he replied, well, my part was the sinning, but, man, God's part was the saving. And, man, that's so true, man, for each one of us here that, man, we're saved. Man, we got to thank God that his finished work on the cross, man, because of that, we can boldly proclaim that we have a living hope. And because of that living hope, things are different. Man, let's just be real. Everybody suffers. But the other fact is Christ suffered too. Man, more than you could ever possibly know, Jesus Christ, he suffered for you. But you see, he suffered for a reason. Man, he suffered so you would be free from sin. Man, he suffered so that you would uh, understand something incredible, so that you would understand that your life had purpose. Man, he suffered so that you could have a living hope. Man, he suffered so something incredible could happen that, man, you could look back on, man, when this life is over. Man, First Peter, it paints a picture of the person who understands exactly what you're going through because he's been through it as well. Man, he's ready to heal you. Man, he's ready to restore you. Man, he's ready to strengthen you. Man, let me pray for us.